You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, it was quite a weekend. How are you doing, buddy? I survived. I enjoyed. It was it was a wonderful time. Uh, I was thoroughly uh, ha- thrilled with all three aspects of exciting. Sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> all three cornerstones of, of my entertainment world. Um yeah, and, and then obviously the, the, the crown jewel and why we're here is the draft. And there's, I mean, you know, we did a little pre-show before this and just talking. It, there's just so much information to talk about. There's so much to get through uh, that now it's kind of just about how to parse this through, how to, to talk about it, you know, kind of all the different angles to cover, including who these players are, how they're going to fit, what does it mean for the roster, what does it mean for ski, uh, right. team building philosophies, uh, all everything kind of just changes overnight. So it's 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 extremely overwhelming. It is. It, it was. I mean, it's just a lot of information that we got over the last couple of days. So what we're going to do for you guys here on the Lockdown Cowboys podcast is we're going to kind of space some of our uh, thoughts on this out. Uh, today we're just going to kind of quickly review some of the, or all the picks that the Cowboys made, uh, and then on Tuesday we will do a deep dive into the second day of the draft. Wednesday we will look at the Cowboys picks on day three, rounds four through seven, and then on Thursday we'll talk about the UDFA class. So uh, if you're if you're wanting to get some real deep analysis on those picks, make sure you guys continue to tune in for the rest of the week. Um, let's go ahead and just kind of jump right in, Landon, on. Uh, Friday night, it came to pick 58. Uh, the Cowboys had basically every safety imaginable on the board outside of Darnell Savage. Uh, and the Cowboys still went with defensive tackle Tristan Hill from UCF. Uh, what did you make about that pick in real time? Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny because we always get a little bit of information. Like, it seems right before the pick gets made, you know, we start hearing the guys on the draft show start to a talk little about bit of what information. We, yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's always funny, like, that moment in the draft show where you realize that they, they've been told the whole deal, basically. And that's why, so, like, yeah, that's why I don't listen like, during the draft. I listen afterwards. It's way more enjoyable. They kind of like start piecemealing like the, their their hints out and, and you know it's just funny when that moment happens and you start realizing I mean I clearly just based on all of that it, it it feels like that Tristan Hill was clearly their target easily you know yeah. like that that's who they wanted so I I mean you know and and I had kind of made peace with the idea of him being picked at fifty eight. Uh, because I, I mean, I like the player, the positional fit. I, I think that he has upside that can warrant that. And and I also think that if you're concerned that he's gonna get picked somewhere between 58 and 90, go get your guy. I mean, if he's if he's the guy and he, he's a, a you know a great fit for what you're doing, a great fit for what you're looking for, go get your guy. And I think the other other huge part that came out about this pick specifically is that you know clearly. And they reiterated it. They don't 
they don't value the safety position the way that we assume they do. They're not interested in dumping a whole bunch of resources and, and money into it. I think that they've kind of been telling us that over the years, you know, inadvertently with their their spending and 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 maybe drafting. But I think at this point, you know, they basically have come out and said. Uh, I, I, you know, we, we're not looking to dump a whole bunch of money into the position. We're not looking to uh, a, a draft, uh, you know, a guy uh, specifically, you know, and, you know. And here's the other thing too: is that again, even if they were interested in drafting a, a safety or, or investing that sort of, uh, you know, capital into a safety, the, you know, the guys that were available were probably more. Back end defensive back types. I mean, I think Adley was Adley still on the board when oh, yeah. they came up. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I think Adley probably could do it. There, there were a couple other guys who could do it, but I mean, I think the things that you're getting, like if you're trying to, if you're drafting the guys that are available there that you were interested in drafting, right? Like you're not taking those guys to be box safeties. You know, like Thornhill and Adderley, and, and 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 like these guys are are more versatile defensive back types that you know maybe play some free safety, and and from what we understand, Chris Bouchard made a, a passionate plea for Xavier Woods in that draft room. Um, so I, I, to me, I think that they didn't view the safety need as as pressing. I think that they clearly thought that they needed a box guy at some point, but they weren't going to push for it. And for them, Tristan Hill, you know, was a guy that they had identified early. He clearly had uh, some sort of, of, of relationship with uh, with Rod Marinelli. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, they think. And I, I think this may be a theme too. They, I, I feel like they think that they found uh, a diamond in the rough a little bit, a guy that was in a weird situation in his last year at at school that kind of maybe obscured some of the talent that he had because of the issues with the coaching staff. And I think they may have a similar thought process with Michael Jackson too, not the coaching, but the idea that these guys had great years the year before, but something may have. You know, held them back a little bit their their last year of college, and thereby making them potential uh, uh, steals later in the draft for people that are willing to dig a little deeper. I, I just think that you know, for Tristan Hill, he's a guy that they loved the fit, they loved the way he plays, they loved uh, who he was, and they weren't you know going to just sit and wait on the guy. They went and got their guy at 58, and, and I can respect them for that. Right, there's so many different ways we can go with this. Um, I'm going to save kind of my Tristan Hill uh, thoughts for tomorrow uh, because I think there's a lot of interesting ways that we can go uh, with his fit and how how what maybe his ceiling is with the Cowboys. Um, just really quickly on the safeties, I think they pretty much told you that they're not going to draft a safety unless they think he has the the position flex to maybe move to corner down the road. Uh, they did it with Byron Jones. The only guy that they were considering at 58 was Juan Thornhill. And we both heard, you know, a week leading up to the draft that they kind of ve- felt that Thornhill's best spot in the NFL is going to be a corner. So I, I just don't think they're interested in drafting a box safety or even really a free safety only uh, at that point in the draft. So just something to kind of keep in mind for future drafts. Um, let's go ahead and move to the third round with a Cowboys selected uh, offensive guard slash center, Connor McGovern from Penn State. Kind of a surprising fit or kind of a surprising pick, but when you consider some of the other players on the board, uh, they liked Will Harris, the safety from Boston College. He went off the board. 
Uh, we thought maybe that's the spot that they would take Isaiah Johnson, the cornerback from Houston. Uh, that didn't happen. Instead, the Cowboys take a guard. Uh, just kind of your initial reactions on that pick, Landon. Yeah, I mean, I think this this was the one that, you know, this is a name that I don't know that any of us had kind of identified previously. Um yeah, so he was a surprise to be sure. I like the player. I mean, especially after spending the time this weekend kind of watching him. Um, he, I think that what this is and the reason that maybe we didn't view this, uh, you know, as, as a potential guy is because I think a lot of us were looking at tackles. And uh, it sounds like from what, it, uh, from what we are hearing that um, they're interested in potentially uh, – uh, you know, moving Connor Williams back out to tackle. So I think the idea is is that this is a, a guy who, who probably could step in at 2020 when Lael Collins is gone and you shift Connor Williams over to right tackle and then put this guy in a left guard. Now, what that means for his this year, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I think the, the way that the offensive line room is shuffles out uh, in the off in the off season and the OTAs shall, should be interesting to say the least. Um, but I think when, you know, they were hoping clearly to get, you know, maybe either Will Harris and it sounds like Justin Lane was someone that they were interested in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just hearing these things from Mike Fisher. I'm um, glad they didn't take Justin Lane, by the way. I'm glad that he wasn't there for him. I wasn't a big fan of his take. Well, yeah, and so it, it, it kind of fell the way it did, and they didn't really panic. They had this guy high on their board, and, you know, it wasn't like they couldn't use this – uh, a, a position like they 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 clearly have a need a year down the road from now to kind of figure out exactly what's going on um, uh, with with the right tackle with the offensive line in 2020. So I think that they took a guy that was high on their board and he plugs in and and uh, and maybe potentially solves a problem for you in 2020 and at the very least provides ext- even more quality depth at a position that you need it at. Absolutely. One of the things the Cowboys have to consider coming up is they're going to have a bunch of uh, players they're going to have to pay elite money to. Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, maybe Ezekiel Elliott, maybe Byron Jones. So they're going to have to find cheaper starters. Uh, and one way that they could potentially do that is by moving on from Lyle Collins after the year, sliding Connor Williams over to right tackle, letting Connor McGovern play left guard, and all of a sudden you'll see that the Cowboys have a cheaper offensive line there. So uh, it, it wouldn't be that sh- it wouldn't be a shock if McGovern didn't get on the field at all as a uh, as a rookie. But I do like the the long term view of the Cowboys to continue to invest resources into your offensive line. Uh, it's never a bad strategy for me. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the Cowboys' fourth round pick. Uh, their first, actually, they had two fourth rounders. They traded the second one. We'll get to that in a second. But at pick 128, the Dallas Cowboys selected running back slash wide receiver Tony Pollard from Memphis. Uh, I'm a big fan of the player. I never thought the Cowboys would draft him there. Uh, but it was surprising. What do you think of the pick, Lanham? Yeah, I mean, it was a surprise just because we had heard so much about them being interested in just guys who are kind of more complete backs, more bigger, uh, larger kind of Zeke-sized backs. Um, so when this happened, I was really excited. I mean, even though Tony Pollard was a, a, a 30-visit 
Um, I, I think the fact that they're taking him and they this high and they were excited about taking him, uh, to me, the most exciting part about it is is what this potentially means for what Kellen Moore wants to do with this offense. And I think, uh, you know, he's this is a guy that, yeah, I mean, I think he can give you some juice if Zeke is not in. I think that he. Um, you know, in conjunction with Weber, and we'll talk about him a little bit more later, can, can provide that those running back two snaps, uh, give you options to uh, to keep Zeke fresh. But I also think he can do more than that. I think he can do things like uh, you know a lot along the lines of uh, of uh, what we saw from Tavon Austin and some of the jet sweep stuff. Get get this guy the ball mm-hmm. in space. I mean, a satellite back, whatever you want to call that. I think he can do some of that stuff in the way um, that. Uh, you know some of these other guys outside of Tavon can't, and I think some of these other potentially some of these undrafted free agents guys. To me, the fact that they've got Tavon and then they went out and got this guy, and then also you know signed, let's say a John Vea Johnson or you know like someone like mm-hmm. that. Like to me, that's exciting just because that's a commitment to this role. It's not just like hey, we got this toy and we'll use him when he's on the field. Now you've got multiple players in that role. Uh, you know as as if to indicate, hey, this is an important role that we need to continue to, you know, keep healthy, even if beyond Tavon Austin. And and I think using those kind of players uh, implies uh, an offense that is going to attack defenses in a variety of ways. So I, I'm just excited about what the potential might be for this player in this offense. I mean, but real quick, just speed, a space player. You know, I mean, I think Alvin Kamara was isn't the track that was suggested I don't I'm, you know I'm obviously not trying to compare him to that level of player but I think that's the the track of player you're talking about a, a running back who can do wide receiver things I think beyond that um he's maybe a little bit more bursty a little bit more speedy than Kamara is but not as talented and you know sure. not yet I mean I don't think he's got the hands or I, I doesn't have the skill set quite yet but I think what this guy does do uh is everything except for pass protection. I mean, people wanted to talk about his pass protection not being great, but this dude can be a run blocker. I saw him block, a, you, know, a, a, you know, take people out in the run game at times, at least a, a seal off run blocker, which can be useful if you're going to use him in conjunction with, with Zeke. He can be a pass catcher like we talked about. He can play basically every special team because uh, he, he can tackle, so he can, be, he can be on punt cover and punt return and kick cover and kick return. Um, this is a guy who, you know, I think people snickered when they talked Talked about 30 snaps a game like they did with Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin's two dozen was unrealistic, I think, to a certain degree. But this guy could, you know, could play a, a lot of snaps because he'll play all the special teams as well as being uh, a backup running back and a guy that you're going to try to get specific snaps to in the game. So I, I like the Tony Pollard tick a lot because I think that, um, you know, like I said, it makes me excited for what his usage and what that means for this offense, but also because he has a toughness and because he can do a lot of different things, he has a lot of roster versatility, uh, especially on game day, for what you need to do when you're building your roster. All right, a couple things really quickly on Pollard. And actually, not even really Pollard, but just in that position in general. Uh, this is a much different situation than like a Tavon Austin. They're, they're really two different types of players because Tavon's what, 175 pounds? Uh, where Tony Pollard's 210 pounds. You feel fine giving the ball to Pollard 
between the tackles and thinking that he's going to be able to make plays. Um, so again, kind of different role. So kind of just kind of get that in your, your brain right now. The other thing is the Cowboys have been hunting for this kind of player the last couple of years. Um, in 2017, I know for a fact that they love Curtis Samuel. And that was a guy that they brought in for a 30 visit. And they were going to take at the bottom of the second round if he fell to him. Uh, he ended up going, I think, 40th overall to Carolina. They didn't get a chance. In 2018, uh, they loved Naheem Hines. Uh, the the running back from North Carolina State, uh, that was a target for them in the fourth round. He ended up going third round to the Indianapolis Colts. This year, uh, they decided not to wait around on Tony Pollard. They didn't want to, you know, have to miss out on a chance for that type of player. Decided to grab him maybe a round early, maybe two rounds early. Uh, but it's the guy that they wanted. So I'm excited to see Tony Pollard in this offense, and we can talk more about what we, maybe the the expectations are for him going forward. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Cowboys. Next pick, they traded down uh, from, I believe it was pick 139, uh, or 149. And uh, that pick got traded multiple times. It started out with the Pittsburgh Steelers moving uh, the fifth-round pick to Oakland for Ryan Switzer. Got traded a couple more times and eventually landed in the Cowboys' hands where they took cornerback Michael Jackson from Miami. Uh, I'm a big fan of this pick. Uh, if you compare him to Isaiah Johnson in terms of measurables, even Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky, very, very similar. I kind of thought the tape was underrated. Wasn't spectacular in 2018, was much better in 2017. But this is a long cover two, cover three cornerback that I think projects as a maybe a high quality number three in the NFL. What did you see from Michael Jackson? What did you think of the pick? Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. It's, it's again, that kind of long-armed Chris Richard type of, of cornerback who I think years ago probably wouldn't necessarily function very well in, a, in an NFL defense before the Seattle kind of defensive back revolution. But I think this is a guy, because he's, you know, he's um, – He's very linear, you know. He's like, I mean, I think he's he's not a guy who's going to change direction a ton very yeah. well, but I think he can side saddle up the field very quickly. He can close down passing windows with his length. I mean, again, he's he's a cover one, cover three corner. You know, that's he wants to be going up the sideline and then turning and, and, and coming up field downfield to make the tackle. You know, like that's he wants to keep it in front of him. Um, I, I think, yeah. I mean, but I think for that kind of guy, like this, these are the kind of guys that that Chris Richard has rotated into his defenses for years and years and years. So I think that, you know, this he could come in here, like you said, potentially be a, a third corner, maybe even be a second corner if he develops a little bit. Uh, I agree that it sounds like his, his 2017 tape, and just by looking at his stats and the completion percentage and all that stuff, um, yeah, that his 2017 season was much better than 2018 season. We'll, we'll have a chance to kind of go back and look at the, that a little bit more. But um, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that if you look at it and just watch just a little bit of tape on him, um, it's easy to see how, uh, you know, he could be a, a, a project for Christmas Shard. You know, he's got good athleticism, uh, but it doesn't really show up on tape. So I think right. that's something that, 
Richard, Richard can work on because I think that's probably footwork problems, and I think those are things that he can clean up. Richard can clean up a little bit. So, um, yeah, I mean, if if he can get this guy to kind of even further out, uh, unlock that athleticism, yeah, you're you're definitely talking about potential you know cornerback too. But at the very least, I think you know he you can hopefully rely on this guy to come in here and be a, a third you know a, the the first reserve off the off the bench or something, and if not your nickel guy. What I liked about him over Isaiah Johnson is he's just such a better tackler. I, I felt I loved oh, yeah. Isaiah Johnson. Most people are. He most most wide receivers are. <laughs> right. I, I loved Isaiah Johnson's tools, but if you compare Isaiah Johnson's athletic profile compared to Michael Jackson's, they're not much different. And the difference in tackling, honestly, is a is enough to boost one over the other. Uh, Michael Jackson's also a full year younger, has been playing at a bigger level of school. There's not a round difference between the two. So I, I'm I'm perfectly okay with the Cowboys passing Isaiah on Isaiah Johnson in favor of Michael Jackson. Um, so good pick there by the Cowboys, at least in my opinion. Uh, then the Cowboys had another fifth-round pick, pick 165, decided to select defensive end Joe Jackson from Miami. So back-to-back Jackson picks from Miami. Uh, Jackson was highly productive at, uh, at Miami, 37.5 tackles for a loss, 24 sacks, and 26 starts. Not a great athlete, but a really long guy that kind of makes you think that he could be maybe not a starter in the NFL level, but maybe a high-quality rotational backup player. Uh, what did you think about the Jackson selection? You know, they clearly have an affinity for these kind of players, right? I mean, I think that they... Um, I, I think that they feel confident being able to get a, a level of... Uh, of uh, production out of these kind of you, you know you, you said it he's not he's not the edge bender he's not the athletic guy he you know he's he's a long armed big body guy who uh, knows how to use his hands and is aware you know that that's basically his game um, and he's produced at a high level in college so I, I think you know it's uh, I struggle with these guys I know other people struggle I with these guys yep. yeah I mean I think but what I what I've come to what I've come to, 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 to kind of give myself is that that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't work out. I mean, Taco was, a, I feel like, a reach, and there was other players on the board there that that's, you know, that to me made that a little bit less palatable. <laughs> but but for this kind of pick, like, I think that there is a, a, a need for this kind of player on our, on our defensive line. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see how this guy develops. Uh, you know, he's a fifth-round pick, so it's, it's not – it's – it's probably you know less than 50 50 he makes he makes an impact in any well in any way on the team and or even makes the team but you know you know you take chances on these guys who have traits maybe not always the elite athleticism but you know other traits that you get into uh, long, like I said effort awareness arm length things that are harder for guys like us to kind of quantify that are better you know when they know what they're looking for specifically and I think uh, sure. You get him in there and see how they work with Marinelli and see if you can get something out of him. Yeah, Joe Jackson's not a not a great athlete at all. Um, I think he tested in like the two percentile, but what he does have is long arms. His wingspan is you know he has an eighty inch wingspan. Um, so we'll see. Uh, one of the best things about Joe Jackson is he is a really good run defender. So if you can do that, you can find a role in the NFL one way or the or another. Um, moving on, the Cowboys then had a six-round pick from which they traded back with Cincinnati. Uh, they moved back from 
Uh, number 136, this is what they got from moving back in the fourth round. Picked safety Donovan Wilson from Texas A&M. Uh, kind of a, an interesting guy. Maybe not going to be ready to play right away. Pretty raw. Uh, but what did you think about the Wilson selection? Uh, I, you know, I, I didn't wasn't terrible. Wasn't too aware of the guy. Um, I mean, most of the work that we had done on the on the safeties have been some of the up top uh, up top guys, and I've gotten a chance to watch just a couple of games of him. Uh, you know, I think that this is a guy who is going to be competing with Kayvon Frazier. You know, I mm-hmm. think for special He's teams a better athlete and this than Frazier, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think so. I think it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, where he plays out there. But I don't know if this is someone who's moving the needle necessarily. Um, you know, like I said, I, I need to I need to watch some tape on him. I haven't had a chance to completely watch him yet, but I think that uh, just like looking at a, where he was drafted and, and the way he plays, uh, I, you know, like I said, I watched like one game of him. You know, he looks like a guy who uh, you know, has some of the same issues even that Kayvon Frazier does, but maybe in a different presents in a different body type. Um, but they'll they'll be competing for that last safety spot for special team snaps. And that's the whole thing, right? The Cowboys, as I mentioned before, the Cowboys are going to have an expensive team coming up here pretty soon. Um, you're not going to want to pay guys like Kavon Frazier, obviously. Um, so you need to find guys that can do that role. And I think Donovan Wilson has a chance to replace Kavon Frazier as unglamorous as that might be. It's just another cheap guy that you feel comfortable with playing on special teams and being your four safety. So at this point in the draft, I'm never going to complain about six-round picks, seventh-round picks, because they're total shots in the dark anyway. So uh, it, it's not a bad gamble for the Cowboys at this point in the draft. Uh, moving on, after the Cowboys took Donovan Wilson, we're now in the seventh round where the Cowboys had two selections. Uh, this one comes from the Oakland Raiders via a trade-down. Um, the Cowboys selected running back Mike Weber from Ohio State. Uh, it's a guy that we kind of talked about throughout the process. He was a 30 visit. Um, kind of unspectacular. Doesn't have any one dominant trait. But played at a big school. Um, can do a little bit of everything. What did you think about Mike Weber? Well, I, 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 again, it's kind of like Pollard in a way. that It's more the fact that he got drafted that is interesting to me. Because I think... You know, they it shows you a, a clean path to what they're looking to try to do with the running back position, right? That they 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 wanted to get some talent in here, but they're not afraid to kind of have a committee to replace Seek when he's gone, which I think is, um, I think I think is 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 a good thought process. I think you know right. the idea of, of getting these guys in, and especially if these guys can play special teams, uh, these are good guys to fill out the roster. They, you know, and, and again, the fact that you're not just putting into kind of seventy percent Zeke guys, eighty percent Zeke guys is a, a good thing because now you at least have one guy who can offer you a little bit more in the offense, while even when Zeke's healthy. So uh, I think this was a smart way to do this, especially once they traded back and they got the extra picks. You know, f- figure out the running back situation here, add talent there, but then also add stability with Mike Weber. I think Mike Weber is that stability, right? Is that you can compare you compare him with Tony Pollard when Zeke's gone, and you know Weber can do the 
dirty work if you need to, to do on a regular basis and, and if, if you don't want to expose Pollard to a bunch of between the tackle runs or a, or a bunch of pass protection reps I think you've got a guy in Mike Weber who can take the pass protection reps for you and you also got Jameis Olawale who is they still like as kind of a running back fullback so I think between those guys on the three of those guys they provide a, a suitable backup situation especially in game for mm-hmm. what the Cowboys want to do if, if something were to happen to Zeke uh, I talked about on this podcast many, many times how much I hate drafting running backs high. Uh, we talked about Travion Williams and him being a potential selection at 90. Um, I love drafting running backs on day three because it, it they're cheap. Um, the draft is really four rounds long after you get out of the top 125 picks. There's no difference between pick 130 in a UDFA. So I'm good with grabbing running backs at this spot because you get them on four cheap years. Um, and Weber's the kind of guy that you want to draft late because he's got he's got production at a big school. He's got the size necessary to become you know an every down back in the NFL. He's also got speed at 447. Um, I think he can be a guy that you know can rip off some big runs. Uh, I love it. This is a spot in the draft where you feel really really good that Weber can make your team or at least has a good chance to make your team. Uh, and potentially even become uh, the the RB two on this roster right away. I, I don't think Tony Pollard is going to be uh, that guy. So it, Weber's kind of competing with you know every guy left on the free agent market, other UDFA's, and I think he he's he's really the favorite right now to be the backup behind Zeke. Um, and moving along to the Cowboys' last pick. Uh, in the 2019 draft, at pick 241, the Cowboys selected defensive end Jalen Jelks from Oregon. Um, I liked his teammate Justin Hollins quite a bit better, but Jalen Jelks is another guy that you know because couldn't factor into the Cowboys' defensive line rotation. Uh, what did you think about the Jelks pick, Landon? I, I, you know, when I saw the Jelks pick, I, I kind of thought about Kyle Weber. Kyle Weber. Kyle Wilbur, Weber, go. Mike Weber, uh, Kyle Wilbur, because I mean he's kind of this guy. I mean I don't know that he's the same exact body type or player, but I think in the same way that Wilbur was able to be bounced around, kind of on a couple different spots in the front seven, I, I think that that you're going to get that kind of similar versatility with Jalen Jokes. Jokes may even be able to kind of kick inside a little bit more, um, but I, I think that. You know, you get a guy who's versatile, uh, who's got a tools again, like a Joe Jackson, I think, and, and, mm-hmm. and that you like, that you want to develop. I mean, he's not uber athletic, um, but he's a guy who can give you some snaps uh, as a long-armed right defensive end. Um, and so I think, he, you know, again, <clears throat> at this point they're all looking for traits. These defensive ends that they're taking here, you're looking at that they're versatile that are long-armed, that are smart. You're, you're not getting a lot of the elite, athlete, bendy types because those guys go early, right? But you still can get some of these more uh, talented, uh, rotational defensive linemen who can give you snaps on the left side, who can stop the run, uh, who can you know reduce inside and pa- pass rush from the defensive tackle spot. These guys are valuable. And um, I think that th- th- this guy was going to get some uh, looks, I would assume, from some 3-4 teams as well, because I think he probably has a body that they might like for an outside linebacker, you know, some, that sort of thing. So uh, <clears throat> it'll be interesting. I need to watch a little more tape on him as well. But I think just from initial look at him, uh, a guy who clearly uh, uh, seems to be like a versatile piece that could move all up and down. And that's what they're looking for in those down roster defensive linemen. Yeah, he 
Jokes is an overly athletic. Uh, he had a 7.223 comb, which is like 47th percentile. Broad jumps and vertical, just a little bit below the the 50 percentile. Uh, but what you love about him is those long arms. At six foot five, he has almost 35 inch arms, uh, a wingspan of 83 inches. So he's just a really long athlete. Um, you mentioned Kyle Wilbur. I think that would be a, an ideal situation for him. To me, he seems like a, a guy that you stash on the practice squad. Um, let's see what he can give you in 2020. Can he maybe make somebody's roster? We'll see. It's not a bad gamble to take You know, late in the seventh round. Um, you know, Big school. He had good production. Uh, you saw his long arms on tape a lot. He had 12 pass deflections over the last three years. Uh, really, really good. Gets into passing lanes. Uh, just an interesting project for Rod Marinelli uh, on that defensive side of the ball. All right, that is it for our recap of the Cowboys 2019 NFL Draft uh, class. We will be talking about these guys more in depth over the next couple days. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. We'll we'll do a deep dive on Tristan Hill and Connor McGovern. And McGovern's. the undrafted guys, too. And we'll, the undrafted guys. There's lots of really good undrafted players that we're going to take a look at as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you said that, Ed. Uh, I have three guys that I think have a legit chance to make the roster in 2019. And, you know, one of the guys I think very, very easily could have been a third or fourth round pick, and we'll talk about him uh, later in the week. But that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>